on this feast of the baptism, we can ask a question. Why did Jesus come to be baptized? I mean, really think about it. Jesus is the Messiah. He is the second person of the Holy Trinity. He's the Son of God, the Savior of the world. He's conceived and born without original sin. It's impossible for Jesus Christ to sin. And everything is created through him. Everything is created for him. And now he's asking a creature, John the Baptist, to baptize him, the creator? Jesus is the fountain of life, but he asks to have water poured on him? Why did Jesus come to be baptized? Well, the answer is actually quite simple. He did not come to be baptized for his sake, but instead for our sake. Because now baptism involves the Spirit of God. It's no longer just a symbolic act of repenting from sin, turning away from sin, and turning back to God. But the Spirit of God himself is involved. Just as the Holy Spirit hovered over the waters of the earth when the world was created, that same Holy Spirit hovers over the waters of the Jordan River in an act of recreation and redemption. And just as a dove announced the end of the flood, now the Holy Spirit, in the appearance of a dove, announces the end of the flood of sin and death. And just as God led his chosen people out of slavery of Egypt into the Promised Land, through the Red Sea, what the waters parted like a wall on their left and right as they crossed through on dry ground. Jesus Christ leads us through the waters of baptism from slavery to sin and into the freedom of eternal life. The baptism of our Lord Jesus opens the heavens for the Spirit to descend on the waters of baptism now. And it wasn't just in the waters of the Jordan River but in every baptismal font. Those waters of every baptismal font, including the one which you and I were baptized in, no matter where it may be, when it may be, the Holy Spirit sanctified those waters. So now water, in, a, in addition to giving physical life, this water of the baptismal font can give new eternal life. And so I think it's important on the feast of, our, of the baptism of our Lord to, to recollect, reflect on our own baptism. Now, I think for most of us, we probably don't remember our baptism. Sometimes I'll ask kids, I'll say, do you remember your baptism? And they'll say, and their parents will say, no, you were three weeks old. You don't remember. There might be a, a few uh, here tonight who do actually remember their baptism. They're baptized at an older age for one reason or another. But most of us, we do not remember the baptism. Very few people today go to baptism. So I think it's important to, to think about the baptism promises and the graces given to a person in baptism and to remember these graces given to us in our own baptism. So the, here's the list of, of just some of the things that happened to you at your baptism, whether you remember it or not. Whether you, you're awake or not, these things happen to you. You became immortal. 
You are given that, that, that call, that invitation to share in God's own eternal life for the very first time at your baptism. You're also given an opportunity to share in the divinity of God. There's a very beautiful phrase in, in, um, in the church. God becomes man so that man can become God. God becomes man so that man can become God. And in baptism, we're given that ability to share in divinity. We're also given the ability to renounce sin, to renounce the devil, to detest sin, and to, um, to tell the devil, no, I don't choose your path. We're also raised to a filial status and made co-heirs in the kingdom of God with our Lord Jesus Christ. We're no longer slaves. We're no longer servants in that kingdom. But now we're co-heirs. We're a brother or sister of Christ, and we're co-heirs in that kingdom. So we now have that filial status. And another thing which happened was your soul was changed forever. And it's nothing that you can do or anybody else can do or say. No institution, no government, no corporation can take this away from you. Your soul is marked as a son or as a daughter of the living God forever. And there are, there are people who, unfortunately, they choose to go to hell at the end of their life. They make that deliberate and intentional choice. And even then, if they're baptized, their soul continues to have that mark. What a very sad existence in hell having that mark as a child of God, knowing that you will never see God face to face. You're also able to receive the graces from the other sacraments. The sacrament of baptism unlocks the, the other sacraments to you, so you can receive that sacramental grace. Without baptism, you're not able to receive those sacramental graces. And this, your soul is empowered to live out a Christian life because God, who is... Father, Son, and Holy Spirit comes to dwell in you and gives you gifts and the virtues and the abilities necessary to live out your vocation as a disciple of Jesus Christ. So all this is happening in baptism. All of this is happening in a very short period of time. We receive great power in our baptism to live that Christian life. But with, with that power comes responsibility too. Baptism makes us more culpable in baptism prep, I, I'll often tell a couple, if you have twins, say like you have twins, and you baptize one and you don't baptize the other, and you raise them the same way, okay, and they grow up and live their life and then they die, the one who is baptized is going to be held to a greater standard at the end of his or her life because they receive the gifts and the, and the talents and the virtues necessary to live out their Christian identity. So they'll be held to a greater standard than to somebody who, who's not baptized. So that's why the church asks the priests and the deacons and bishops to delay baptism if there's no hope that that child will be raised as a Christian. This is a reminder to parents and godparents that uh, we make a choice. We make a choice in having a child or a godchild baptized. We make that choice to bring that extra culpability, that responsibility to that child. Because with that comes great blessings. But we have to make sure that they're made aware of the life which they've been called to. You know, so often, so often I, I'm celebrating baptisms and um, 
you know, I, I don't know what, what the people are thinking. I honestly don't. You know, some are they're eating something or they have coffee in their hand or they're chewing gum or they're talking or they're giggling or whatever. They're doing whatever. And they're not really paying attention. So often this happens and I, I'm just thinking to myself, and sometimes I say it in a very kind way, that something very important is, is about to happen in front of you. And we may not see the physical manifestations of this list of things which I just mentioned, but these things truly are happening. What the church prays in the sacrament of baptism, in that baptism rite, is happening. What the, what the priest, what the bishop, what the deacon prays and says is actually happening. One of my confessors, who was instrumental in, in helping me to discern uh, to go to seminary, is a very wise and holy priest. Um, just a very kind man, very easygoing, very smart. I mean, he was, he was incredibly smart. He had a PhD in psychology. He supervised a mental health ward at a state hospital for 15 years. So he's a brilliant man, very kind. And he, he knew the difference between sanity and insanity. He knew what the difference was between what's real and what's not real. And he, he told me the story of when he was a young priest. He was baptizing a, a five-year-old boy from a Hispanic family, not too far from here, not too far from here. But he's baptizing this, this five-year-old boy, this Hispanic family, and he begins a baptism rite. And the boy almost immediately becomes agitated. It's a five-year-old boy. He's telling the priest to stop the baptism rite. So the priest continues. And the boy gets even more agitated, more upset, and begins to raise his voice and, and actually yell at the priest, telling him, I don't want to be baptized. I don't want to be baptized. Stop whatever you're doing. So the priest continues. Keep in mind, this is a five-year-old boy. The priest continues the baptism rite. And the boy begins to cuss at the priest. What's very interesting is the boy is saying these things in Latin. The family's not exactly sure what's happening. But the priest knows exactly what's happening. So the priest continues the baptism rite. At that point, the begin, the, this boy, a five-year-old boy, begins to levitate off the ground. At that point, the, the parents realize there's something very unusual happening. They hold down this child, and the priest finishes the baptism rite. And then the, at the end of the rite, the boy goes limp as if nothing happens. I tell this story because so many people, so many Christians, so many Catholics they don't fully recognize or realize the power of baptism. So often we forget about what's truly happening in that sacrament and what happened to us, what happened to my soul at baptism, the most important day of your life. Sometimes people ask me when my birthday is, and I, I refuse to tell them, although some very smart teenagers can find it on the Internet pretty easily. But... I refuse to tell them my birthday. But what I do tell people is I celebrate my, the anniversary of my baptism, February 11th, 1973. It's the most important day of my life. Second most would be the ordination 
my ordination to the priesthood. Because it was in my baptism day that I was called to eternal life. You know, I was born, you know, just a couple weeks before that, but this body's going to die. But, you know, on February 11th, I was given that promise for the first time to share in God's own eternal life. So I would encourage all of you tonight. Actually, I'm going to give you homework. This week, find out the day you were baptized. Find out the day your children were baptized. Write it on a calendar and celebrate it. Celebrate the fact that, you know, as our Lord, as we celebrate this evening, the, the Lord's baptism in the Jordan, the Holy Spirit coming upon the, the fonts of the, the waters of the Jordan River, that same Holy Spirit sanctified the fonts of your baptismal font, the waters of your own baptism, an incredible grace given to you. It's a grace that we cannot neglect, a grace we cannot forget about or take for granted. So as we continue with this Holy Mass, we, we pray in thanksgiving for this incredible sacrament our Lord has given to each and every one of us. So often we may have taken it for granted, but we recommit to our Lord in, in giving thanks and praise for the sacrament given to us because it's through this sacrament that we're called for the very first time to share in God's own eternal life. Why did Jesus come to be baptized? Not for his sake, but for our sake, for your sake. Praise be Jesus Christ, now and forever.